There's a lot of weddings going around, and then in a month and a half, we got another current wedding. So, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of fun things happening. Be praying for, for these uh, happy couples. Um, and then, uh, let's see here, the Art and Wine Festival. Um, looking forward to that. If you guys are there today, please come by. I'm going to be there. I'd love to say hi to you guys. Um, and then, uh, the, the, of course, the uh, one-year celebration next week. Uh, in line with that, um, you know, and finishing up our Old Testament series that we've been working through all the way during uh, the summer, looking at the Hebrew Scriptures, the Scriptures leading up to Jesus' life, uh, we're going to change gears uh, for the next few weeks and do a short series, uh, a few-week series on uh, This is Family. Okay, this is family, because family is a, is a concept not only uh, central uh, to the, the Bible in terms of the, what it teaches to, about the local church, as we'll see, um, but, it's, but it's very central to our vision here at Current. Uh, we want to be a place where you can belong. Um, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12. We'll get there in a minute. It'll also be on the screen if you don't, if you don't have that uh, available to you. Um, okay, any of you guys seen the show This Is Us? Are you guys watching that show? Um, it's really well written. It's very moving, and I hate it uh, because it's such a tearjerker. I mean, they, it's like they play with your, it's not they're playing with, they're like owning your emotions. I mean, it's like they just like little plot twists happen, and you're like, dang it, they got me again. I told Cindy after watching it twi- two episodes, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not watching this anymore. And yet still she finds a way to kind of suck me back in. Like, I'll come home, and I'll be just like, she'll be watching the show or whatever, you know, after the day, and she'll have the remote in her hand, and the TV will be playing the show, and she'll just kind of look at me, look at the show as I come in the room, like, you know you want to watch. And I'm one of those bugs to those, like, light zappers. I'm just like, ooh, what's happening? And then five minutes later, I'm like, no, I'm not watching. I'm not watching, but it's interesting. And um, It's about a family that is incredibly imperfect. I mean, we're talking just, uh, just things are just flowing at these guys uh, that are incredibly hard. Um, pains, awkwardness, some joys, but mainly pains and awkwardness, and, but they're always there for each other. I mean, there's no, there, there, it, there, there's a reason it's such a, a big hit right now in our culture, and there's a reason why it resonates with so many, because we, I believe, deep down, really long for, really want people who are going to be there for us thick, in the thick and in the thin. Uh, we just want people there. We need people there. Um, even when we are not our best, when, when things happen in life that, that are caused to us or when things happen in life that we cause to ourselves, we want to know that people are going to be there, just like we just sang about, that we belong, that people are going to love us and accept us for who we are and walk through those times with us together. Uh, that is the power, that is the beauty of what the, the local church is meant to be. And so as we do this series, This is Family, uh, this is an invitation to you uh, to either uh, join this family, as, as we uh, would love for you to belong, wherever you're at spiritually, wherever you're at life stage, whether things are going on right now in your life, you need folks coming around you, or they, things will happen in the short term, um, or in, t- in terms of just, t- if, you've, if you've been around, taking the next step. Because here's what we're going to see today. The message we're looking at today is kind of a higher level introductory uh, message, and it, it, I'm titling it, We Need Each Other. But the fact of the matter is, the relationships that I believe we so desperately need, we want, these relationships that will be there through thick or thin, they don't come to us automatically. Um, Rather, we have to be really purposeful, we have to be really intentional in cultivating them, individually and as a church. And I think that's important for us here in the Silicon Valley for a number of reasons. For instance, for some of you, you may have never experienced a family that is there for you in thick and thin. Um, you know, maybe the experience of family for you is more like a scar 
Or, or maybe it's like an open wound. Um, and then for, for others, uh, you know, in fact, statistically speaking, this is the vast majority of people in the room. Maybe, maybe you've had a good family, you know, a family that's been there for you, that is there for you, but they're not here. Uh, you know, this is a very mobile society, and we'll talk about that. But this is family right here in this church. This local church is family. We want to be there for you, and uh, we want to we want to consider how we can do a better job of that, um, even as we enter into the year two of, of current. So, if you have your Bibles, and hopefully you you have open to First uh, Corinthians twelve, we're going to be looking at verses twelve through twenty seven. I'm going to go ahead and read them all, and then I'll pray, and, and, and we'll get into this. So Paul, writing to a local church and about a local church, says this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were, ba- we were all baptized one, uh, by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were gi- all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while the presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you, church, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Let's pray. Father, we just, uh, first of all, we just want to stop and reflect and say thank you for bringing us together I love these verses that say that you've brought us together. It's no coincidence that we're here. The relationships here aren't by accident. Um, Thank you for for the women and men, the sisters and brothers that we have here in this room. Um, Lord, would would you bless this time as we consider what it means to be part of your family? Thank you so much for making the way for us to be a part of a family that's even stronger than a biological bond. Um, and help us as we, uh, as we, as we uh, look at this text. Would you give me your spirit as I speak and each of us your spirit as we, as we listen in and, un- and try to understand it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we need each other. Two high-level thoughts to kind of hang our other thoughts on. The first one uh, is you need others, okay? And th- this is all over this text. Verse 27 says, and each one of you is a part of the body. Verse 12, and all the many parts form one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. You know, it's really fascinating to me. I've never seen this before. I've read this text, I don't know how many times growing up and then studying for different things. I've never realized until we did our Old Testament series how powerful, how much of a climax of a thought this text we are reading here is in the Bible. 
And what I mean by that is there is a progression over the course of the Bible. Okay, so here, here I am in my New Testament, the part about the life of Jesus and extending after him in the church. And here's basically the Old Testament, okay? And most of this, especially towards the early on, what we see is God working with individual leaders, key figures that he talks to them, Moses, Abraham. He works with them, and they work on behalf of the people. But over time, as you kind of move along through the, the Old Testament, you see God start to, in this progression, increasingly move away from working with, a few, with one individual to a few folks. Say, for example, in the time of the kings, you have kings leading, and then you have prophets coming and helping with, with the spiritual components, all the way until the very last few sermons of our Old Testament series, at least when, when I was here. Uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, God using three people from completely different backgrounds, from com three completely different vocational standpoints, all to accomplish the one goal of restoring, saving his people, and taking them back out of exile, which is where the Jewish people had been under the, the rule of the Babylonians and then the Persians, and then using these three people to save them, bring them back, and restore them in Jerusalem and in their land. Three completely different people, all coming together, all vitally important in their unique roles to do one purpose, save God's people. Real quickly, Esther. Esther was the, the ruling class, if you will. She was the legislature. She was royalty. And if you were here for that sermon, you know that there was genocide facing the Jews. The Persian king was about to kill all of them, wipe them all off. And Esther rose up in such a time as this to basically very skillfully see the, the, the signs and skillfully position herself to pass law and move things around so that the people were spared. That was an important role in restoring the, the Jews. They wouldn't have, Ezra and Nehemiah would have never been around to help the people build up Jerusalem and get reestablished. So 12 years later, Ezra takes one of the first, it's actually the second group of remnant survivors back to Jerusalem. He starts to get them established. He identifies a lot of the problems. He's trying to figure out how do we get people restored and back together. He identifies the main problem, and that is they don't have any walls protecting them. If you guys were here, you remember this from, from the story of Nehemiah. Ezra was there. He couldn't figure out how to build up the walls. He tried multiple times to get the resources, to get the legislation passed, to get the people to work together. Two times he stopped by opposition. Opposition, by the way, that wants to kill them. Two times he can't get it done. And so he's stuck. And what he doesn't know, what he doesn't realize, is God was raising up a Nehemiah. If Ezra, he was a priest, was the spiritual ruler, he couldn't figure out how to do things uh, in, in, in terms of the leadership component, God then raised up Nehemiah, the last book, historically speaking, on the timeline of the book of the Old Testament, where he comes and he, he brings another remnant group back to Jerusalem. He sees what Ezra's done, and he uses his professional giftings, his leadership skills. He's a mover and shaker to get the people organized, to beat back the opposition that's still trying to literally kill them, and just to get all the pieces working together, and they build that wall in like 50 days. It's amazing. Ezra could have never done it. Nehemiah could have never done it without Esther, and so on and so forth. And then there's this little chapter, real briefly here, in Nehemiah, that's, that's really fascinating in this regard, in this progression of God using just a few to more and more. Nehemiah 3 is this tedious read of Nehemiah, again, this guy building the wall, helping the people build the wall, putting each person in their spot and each of them side by side working, each in their individual part to do their part to build up the city. And it, again, it's a tedious read, but it's fascinating because we see young and old, rich and poor, male and female, uh, people from white-collar professions, people from blue-collar professions, people from different social class, 
All these sorts of things, working together equally. The religious, the non-religious, all coming together, working to build this thing. And what we see now, as we get to the New Testament, when, when Jesus is introduced, when he comes, he lives his life, he, is he, he dies to death, and he's raised again, and he establishes his church. And what is his church meant to be? Paul talks about it here. He talks about it is meant to be a body. A body of many members. I don't know why I'm doing this right now. Um, many members coming together, coming together to serve a purpose. And what is that purpose? First and foremost is to build one another up. There's other purposes, and we'll talk about that as we go through the series, working and loving the greater community, but building each other up, being there for each other. You and I need others. Uh, there's a very famous um, uh, 18th century English pastor who said this, uh, John Wesley said, the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. Now this is so important. I was, I was in a conversation yesterday at a wedding a reception where somebody was telling me, he's like, yeah, I sort of, you know, they found out I'm a pastor, found out I started a church. That's interesting. And there's like, you know, I feel like I could just read my Bible and, you know, say a prayer and, and that's good. And um, man, I wish he lived in this area. He's from Hawaii, which is, okay, little side note. Is that a destination wedding if you come from Hawaii to here? But, um, but anyways, he, after the course of sharing what we're trying to be about here uh, at Current, he's like, I want to, I wish I was here. I could come. I said, well, find a church. Um, because there's, there's a one, there's a one anotherness to the faith that you, you cannot live without. I, I looked up this week all the one another commandments, commands in the New Testament, either given by Jesus or Paul, the first writer. There are over 30 one another commands. There are over 30. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Agree with one another. Serve with one another. Bear with one another. That's about 10, 30. And of the 30, that these one another commands, a number of those are repeated. For example, the love one another, as I'm sure you expect, that's repeated about five times. If you take care of all the one another commands and their, their repeats, it's about 50 commands in there. There's a one anotherness to the faith that we can't live without. Now, why is this especially important in the Silicon Valley? It, it seems to me, and I, I was talking about this earlier, is because we're so highly mobile. I mean, we need an, one another no matter what, but almost especially here. Wouldn't you say, if, if you've just moved here into the community, or you've been here for, you know, a long time, three years, I don't know, you know, it, you know that this is a very mobile society. It's highly transient. I was looking at a, a TechCrunch article this week. In 2016, I tried to look at the data because it didn't quite make sense, but I, the, the concept makes sense. The average tenure of developer at a single company here, this article said, was nine months. I tried to find where they got that, that source, couldn't find it. I looked up some other, but it's basically between about a year and two years of tenure. I mean, that's crazy. And then residentially, like moving around, you know, Cindy and I, we've moved four times in the last six years. Some of you are like, that's it? You know, I mean, that's this area. Uh, we're so highly mobile. All the more, we need to be locked into a community that's there for us through thick or thin. And that's a big part of our vision here at Current. It's a big part of our, our mission, our, our, our calling, if you will, is we want to be a home base where things might be moving around, even if you haven't moved around a bunch of times. People in your life have moved around a bunch of times in the extent in time. You need a home base. You need others. 
I love this powerful verse. Right, let me say it this way real quickly because I think this is helpful. I mean, I, and, and I think we intuitively know this, right? I mean, life is better together. Um, life is meant to be shared. But great relationships are not accidental. Uh, they take cultivation. Uh, verse 26 is such a powerful thought here. Um, verse 25 into 26 says this. If you have your Bibles, you can see it. I'll just read it. Um, God has put the body together. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. Let me ask the obvious, straightforward question. How does that happen unless you are attached? How does the body that God has built for you, and you see this any number of ways, God has brought you together, God has brought you together, how can the body suffer alongside you or rejoice alongside you if you're not attached? I think that to me is one of the the first thoughts in terms of how do we take this away is attach yourself. Um, You've you got to get attached. And as a, as a church, we're trying to make every opportunity to give uh, ways for you to attach, for us to attach ourselves together. And by far the best way, it, it, we, the, by far the best way to get attached is through a current group. And that's today's sign-ups, and that's, you know, we're doing synergy, we're doing this message together with that, of course, but t- it's the best way. And what are happening at current groups? Uh, you know, in case you think, oh, weird things happen, people get together, it's like, what, what are they doing behind closed doors? We are sharing life together. We are just getting together, and we are just hanging out. We are seeing how each other are doing. Do we open and talk about the Bible? Yes, we do. But we, all, but we do that based on last, the, 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 the message, what we're talking about the Sunday before. That's intentional. That makes everybody, first of all, it gets us all on the same page. But that also means if you don't know your Bible all that well, if you listen to the last message, you have things to work on. We want to have a place where, and, and also we, we love li- you know, life and, and the curriculum that we're all looking at together to, to, to be our life curriculum. That's a wonderful thing. Do we pray together? Yes, we pray together. Do you have to pray if you're uncomfortable with that? No, you don't. Uh, people will probably pray for you. That's not awkward. That's not weird. It'll just, the main thing we're doing is we're trying to create the space and the time for relationships to be there for when, he- heaven, you know, when it happens, which it does, parts of the body suffer, we are there able to suffer alongside it. When the part of the body rejoices, is honored, we can rejoice alongside it. But that's not going to happen if we're not attached. The Bible teaches about corporate worship, coming together and celebrating like we're doing here on Sunday morning. But a big part, one of the the multifaceted goals we have here uh, on Sunday mornings is to spark the next level with a relationship. Maybe that's a relationship that you make. You, hey, let's go grab coffee. Maybe that's, hey, I want to sign up for a current group. Um, but we'd love for you to consider uh, joining a small group, uh, a current group. And I would just say there, too, is to the extent, if you're on the fence, just check it out. And you don't have to, you know, if it doesn't work for you, fine. But, um, there's, but you need others. Um, the other thing I'll say before, before quickly, before moving on here, is I would also say this. If, you're, if you've attached yourself, remain attached. Um, life gets hard at times. You guys know this. Um, uh, as, as a pastor, humbly, um, who's gone through uh, any number of hard times with people, I would just say from the bottom of my heart, make sure you're attached and you stay there for when the time comes and you need it. Don't wait until, oh, I could have used somebody around me. Be attached. And when things get hard, which they'll get hard, I mean, families... If you've, if you've lived in a family, you know that things get hard. and pe- You get upset and you get angry and all that sort of thing. The church does not claim to be imperfect. That's actually the point. Jesus came to 
help the imperfect uh, love with his perfect love, but we're going to mess things up, but remain attached, and there's power and beauty there as we remain attached. A couple stories, I mean, just kind of, kind of fun. For, for me, I was just thinking about this like last year. One year of current groups, you know, the, the number of semesters, uh, you know, we had one guy come and say he was losing his job, and like the younger guys were like, oh no, like life's ending. I mean, we didn't say it that way, but we're like, what are you going to do? And it's funny, because I was watching the older guys, and when, when the older guy, like after the younger guys got that out of their system, the older guys looked at the, the guy who's, who said he was losing his job, and was like, yeah, you've been there. Um, God's got you. You're, you're going to be okay. And uh, dude's actually doing really well now. But I was just like, there's a moment of us being the body together. We need others. Another person in the same time period uh, went through a reorganization at his job that to describe it as a toxic like transition would be putting it mildly. I mean, we're talking just bad stuff happening in this reorganization in terms of the nasty things being said. And, and he was working his way through this. And this guy's a stud. And the way he was dealing with it was like, not only like, ah, I just got to get out of here. I don't like this. He was thinking like, guys, I know Jesus calls me to love folks even when they're saying nasty things or behind closed doors doing nasty things towards me. Would you, would you help me think through and pray through loving the folks at my work? And so we got to walk alongside him in that. Another found out that he was going to have a, a, a baby, and so we, we got to celebrate that. Um, the point is you got to attach yourself. Attach yourself, and attach yourself before rather than later. You need others. Others need you is the second thought. And again, these are just high-level thoughts to hang the rest of what we're talking about here. Uh, others need you. Uh, what was really fascinating to me as I was studying this text uh, was uh, I, I've read this text again any number of times, but this is the first time I discovered uh, in digging a little bit deeper, that the Apostle Paul here in writing the, church, uh, writing the church, describing and using the metaphor of the body, was actually not, this was not his original uh, metaphor. He was borrowing, he was adopting another metaphor that was being used. In the 5th century B.C., there was a guy named uh, Menenius uh, Agrippa uh, in the Roman Senate, who gave this speech that would have been well-known in Corinth, which is where Paul was writing to, and Paul would have known about this. He got up there, and, he's, and this, this, this senator, Agrippa, got up there and said, the common welfare, uh, the common, uh, uh, shoot, I'm losing my, um, the common wealth, there we go, is a body, he said. And it's interesting, he kind of like, like, much like Paul uses the wording here, he had like the body parts talking to each other in his speech. He, and, and his focus in the speech was talking about the belly, of all things. He was saying, you can't say, hands can't say to the belly, I don't need you. Mouths, you can't say, the, what purpose does the belly serve? He goes on and on talking about the belly. It's really interesting. And then after a while, he says what the belly is. The belly is him. The belly is the Senate. It's the ruling power. And his point through this whole speech was saying, hey, we're all a collective body, but you need to feed us. You need to feed me. I get my belly. I'm serious. That's what, that's what the speech is. Feed the belly. And we will, from on high, bless and take care of you. That's his speech, um, which is fascinating to think about it in terms of how Paul flips that metaphor on its metaphorical head. Do you see this? Agrippa used this analogy of the body to talk about the commonwealth, talk about all people in terms of a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy of how things work. You know, you've hand, you feet, you guys really serve the belly. The belly's the main deal, okay? Just serve the belly. Um, Paul is saying, don't you dare, don't you dare start going anywhere near that hierarchy route of thinking. 
That is not the mindset of the church. The church breaks that mindset. And Agrippa, by the way, was just putting words to how society works, does it not? Out there is hierarchy. In the workplace, there is hierarchy. Paul is saying something profoundly powerful here about the church. He's saying there's no hierarchy. You got to, every body member belongs together. They should have equal concern for each other. Others need you. He approaches this from two thoughts. Number, the first way he approaches it is he talks, of, he talks to the folks who might be feeling inferior about what they bring to the table, their value add. Okay? And this is in verses 15 and 17. He says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? What he's saying, metaphorically, is if you're a foot, that's great. Don't think it's all about being the hand. If you're an ear, don't think it's all about being an eye. You are vitally important in terms of what God is after. Now, what Paul is talking about here, uh, when, he's, when he's using the metaphor of a body and the members, what exactly is he saying? Well, he's in the middle of about a three-chapter discussion on what's called spiritual gifts. Okay, we won't go into all of this because there's a lot we could talk about, but essentially high-level definition of spiritual gifts are God-given gifts, abilities, talents, that we are to steward for the sake of loving others, starting with the local church, building them up, and serving other people. That we have given, we are gifts. And, and in the chapter before, if you have your Bibles, you can look at it. I'll just read them, read them along. Uh, he has, there's a couple parallel passages. One is in Romans 12. He just lists off what it means to have these spiritual gifts, like what is a hand, what is a foot, that kind of stuff. Uh, gifts of, of wisdom, service, teaching, prayer, faith, encouraging, uh, encouragement, administration, generosity, leadership. And what Paul's saying is we, we are one body, many parts, and others need you. God has placed you here. In a local church, if you call this place your home, God has placed you here, and it's not a coincidence. Others need you. We need you. Um, and if, you're, if you at all say, what value add do I bring, Paul is trying to snuff that out to begin with and say, don't you dare go there. Every gift, every calling is uniquely valuable. Um, at the church I grew up um, in, in Berkeley, uh, there was a guy there named Russ Gentry. And Russ Gentry... Uh, was, the, was the kind of guy who, uh, without being asked, would go out before a Sunday morning church service. Two hours, he'd get there early, and he would just pick up after the homeless. Now, in Berkeley, especially where this church was, it was right across the street from People's Park. If you know Berkeley, People's Park is this, this famous place where the university and government can't touch it for a number of political reasons. And just there's, I mean, at certain times of the year, hundreds of homeless people in this one itty-bitty uh, square uh, bit of space. And so Russ would go around uh, and pick up things that you would imagine he'd pick up, I mean, waste and needles, those sorts of things. Um, and he would also go around and have really, you know, loving yet challenging conversations with people saying, hey, you know, I'm, you know, I hate to, you know, ask you to move from, you know, right underneath the door place to where we're going to be entering, but um, we have kids coming in a little bit. You're welcome to join us if you want to. We're going to be meeting here in an hour or but um, could we just, yeah, that was the kind of job that Russ did, and it was amazing. You know, if you were to pick a body part for Russ, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even go there. But, it, you know, it's like one of those things, right? It's like, think, and yet, 
Russ was amazing. He was so amazing. He did this all with a beaming smile on his face. And then during the service, before service, he'd wash himself up. And then Russ would be the guy out there who was exuding Christ's love just as much, if not more, than anybody else in that church. He was listening to people, hearing them. You know, he came from a, a blue-collar background uh, with a lot of these Berkeley Cal students who just had their heads puffed up far more than they should. He's just listening to them, caring for them. When they'd share a story, he'd just say, that's a great story. He wouldn't add his story. You know, he, he, would just, he was just loving. Incidentally, Russ and his wife Marta moved from Southern California for the sake of starting that church with my parents so that he could go out there and clean up and do those sorts of things. Like, I believe that there's an amazing place in heaven reserved for Russ Gentry. I'll put it that way. Um, others need you. I don't, whatever your body part is, whatever function, whatever gifts God's given you, it is incredibly valuable. And don't let society, the hierarchy that we see out there, or whatever, or even, you know, how things can work out in the church as much as we try against us, don't let it think about, oh, those are the gifts. Oh, those are what matter. Um, every, every gift is, is, is vitally important to how God has, has built us up. And others need you. We need you. The other people that Paul speaks to here uh, when he's talking about others needs you is he, he talks about the folks who might feel superior in their giftings uh, than the rest. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Like I, head, Get over yourself if you're starting to puff up. Like, no, that's not how it works. You are, you are vital, but you are, you are equally vital. Um, you know, we actually have a little bit of insight into the dynamics of what was happening in the Corinthian church. If you look at one chapter before this, um, we're actually celebrating communion today. Paul had some pretty harsh words to say to the Corinthian church about how they were celebrating communion. What they were doing is uh, the, the rich and well-to-do folks were getting there early, they were separating themselves off, and they were having a feast of a communion time behind closed doors. While the rich and the, 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 rich and the, the less well-to-do would basically be left out in the foyer or wherever, and they would just not be able to, they, like, there would be hardly any food for them, no drink left, and Paul is saying, that is so disgraceful. Like, you, guys, this, you, are, you are the body of Christ. You, how could you do that? And so he's speaking, I believe, a little bit in this. He's saying, don't you dare... Don't you dare have a hierarchy, you know. He's like, you got to live for others need you. Now, as we think about what this means for us, I don't think we live in a culture or in a space where we're going to struggle with, I'm an I, you know, you're not an I, sorry. You know, and whatever the equivalent of that would be in terms of, like, giftings. I don't think we'd do that. I think where we would wrestle with this, truth be told, is if you have a gift like an eye or a head, I'm just going to pick some off the, the, the charts, okay? Leadership, generosity, whatever it might be. If you have an eye, I think more of the challenge, more of the temptation is to say, you know what, I'm going to take that gift and I'm going to use it on me. But others need you. Starting with the local church, others need you. I, uh, I was sitting there in my office thinking about this thought, and I was like, man, if there's an eye... You know, who's the I? You know, like in our, like what, what's the quintessential I? I got to meet with a guy. That's a weird way to introduce what I'm getting ready to say. But anyways, I got, I got together with this guy who uh, is a CEO of one of the big tech companies in the area, Fortune 100 company. Uh, this meeting was set up for me and a buddy who's also starting a church uh, in the South Bay. 
And uh, I'm sitting there like, how am I sitting here? Like, how am I sitting next to this dude? This dude, like, is a mover and shaker. He's done a lot of amazing things in terms of accomplishments, has made a ton of money, gives most of that away. He has an incredible heart. He's just asking, hey, what, what's God doing in your life? I mean, if there's anything I've learned, humbly speaking, a lot of you guys are more in these, in these uh, streams than I am. Folks like these, you don't usually have time for you, let alone care all that much about, tell me about what's going on. Um, he's just asking, like, how's the church going? Like, what's going on there? So we just shared. He's like, that's amazing. That's exciting. And he, this guy, he supports a lot of organizations that work with churches and all that sort of thing. And then um, it was interesting. After that conversation, like, he, in that conversation, he had, he had said, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, what really gets me fired up is hearing when people put their faith in Jesus. And so, actually, that the week after, I think, like, about three folks, it was an amazing Sunday, put their, their faith in Jesus here at a service. And I was just like, I'm just going to send them a text, say, hey, or not text, uh, email, hey, you know, I just, I know that's something that you're, excites you. Did you know that happens? And I wasn't expecting an email back. I'd emailed him to get together, and it's just like that went into the abyss of how his email works. I don't know. Um, but I got an email back within like three hours, like as effusive as like a teenage girl on a texting machine, like, God is so good, exclamation mark. And I'm just like, you know what I'm saying? I hope that was offensive. I never thought. Um, if there's somebody who could be an I, it's that guy. And yet he's, for, it's interesting, his first heart is for his local church, and then he's thinking about the church greater, and then he's thinking about it, it, others need you. And I, I just, I love this thought of what, uh, of what, how Paul writes this over, he says it at least twice. It's not in my notes right here, so I don't know if you can be able to find it, but he's, he's saying God puts you together. God's brought, it's, you're not here by coincidence. You are here to help each other. You are here to serve each other. You're here to be there for each other relationally when things get hard, when things are good. Uh, this passage makes my heart sing because this is what life is meant to be. This is family, imperfect family coming together and just loving. And the reason we can do all of this, the reason we have power to do any of this, uh, when, it, when rare as it is, let alone in a context as diverse as, as, as a local church body, is because... It's what Jesus has set us up for. Uh, if you look at the very first verses that I read and the very last verse that I read, just as one body, though, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. He doesn't say so it is with Christ, you know, the church, the body of believers. He says so it is with Christ. And then verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the gospel of Jesus. Jesus came to set this whole thing up so we can break the trend of hierarchy and we can love and we can purposely serve starting our, with ourselves and then for the sake of serving those around us. Jesus gave up the best relationships possible. He gave up his family with the uh, perfect communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he gave up. If there's anybody who could have in a hierarchy about things, it was Jesus and yet, what does Jesus do on every single page that you read about him? He takes all these incredible gifts, incredible gifts, leadership, teaching, serving, all these incredible gifts, and he's constantly only ever building others up. He's never serving himself. And what did he do on the cross? We're celebrating communion today. You, if you've been here, you know the words that Jesus said on the night he was betrayed. Jesus took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And said, this is my body. 
do this in remembrance of me. Jesus uh, Christ on the cross broke his body physically that we could become his body spiritually and collectively. And the power that we have to live and love each other, uh, for each other, and love each other is because of what he has done for us. He put aside everything to put us first when we didn't deserve it. And I love that because when we see that and to the extent we understand that and grow in our love and appreciation for that is to the extent we start to just let it flow out of us to others. We are family, but not just any family, the family of Christ, the body of Christ. I am so excited about this next year. I'm so excited to see what God's getting ready to do, but the thing I'm most excited about is to get to do it together with you guys as family. Let's pray.